When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to At The Hive Live, part of the SB Nation Network of Podcasts. I'm Chase. I'm here with my co-host, James, and we are going to be joined by Embry NBA on today's episode. He's a Charlotte Hornets fan that goes by Embry NBA on Twitter and TikTok, and he's built quite a following on TikTok over the last couple of months. Huge thanks to Embry for joining us. We can't wait to get to that interview in the second half of the show. James and I both learned a lot about content creation on the TikTok app, so we hope that you guys can learn something too. And if you want to follow Embry, he's at Embry MBA on Twitter and TikTok. So hope you guys enjoy the interview that's coming up here in a little bit. But first, James and I are going to talk about the recent Hornets news. So before we get into everything, James, how are you doing today? I'm doing really well. Um, I, I've just come back from London with work where I played wheelchair basketball for the first time in a in a like charity tournament, which was really fun. Have you ever have you ever had a chance to play it? I haven't. No. How, how, what was, uh, like what brought you to London to, to play that there? Uh, so one of the organizations, uh, Sport England work with called Sports Aid, they essentially, uh, help fund young international caliber athletes, uh, across like various sports. And it was like a fundraiser to help, uh, them because they're a charity. Um, so yeah, essentially you, you pay to enter your team and the Sport England team, we finished third, which is good. All right. Um, but like some of the teams there had like ex Olympians. There was a, I mean, these are British people, but Tani Gray Thompson was there. He was the most decorated British Paralympian ever. Uh, she's a, she was a distance, uh, distance wheelchair athlete. Uh, she was competing. We had the women's netball captain from the Commonwealth Games there. We had an ex Olympic silver medalist diver competing against us. And then there was me um so to finish third we did well but yeah wheelchair basketball if anyone's uh, ever gets a chance to play it i really recommend it super hard like to be able to control your wheelchair and dribble and also worry about where players are and stuff like that um and shooting while sitting down is really hard shock shock horror here if you don't use your legs shooting is hard uh but yeah i had a great time in london um i'm a little worried about you chase because chase is wearing a beanie hat 
And I know where Chase went to Vegas recently. And I'm worried that underneath that beanie hat, there isn't any hair left. It's kind of like, like feel like it's covering something up. So how was your trip to Vegas? And please tell me you still have hair. So my trip to Las Vegas itself was very fun. I was there with my girlfriend and some family. It was awesome. I'll make the big reveal right now by pulling off my hat to make sure that I, I don't have like a like a Mike Tyson uh, like tattoo <laughs> on my bald head. Now I, I still have my normal hair, but it's just very cold in my room because um, you know, I, I my girlfriend and I we went to Las Vegas. It was the first time we had left New England since the pandemic started. It was the same temperature as it was in Maine. Turns out the desert supposed to be. Now turns out the desert gets cold, which is what they don't tell you that in in the movies or in science class or anything like that. Uh, It was like at night because the air is so dry when the wind blows, uh, it just gets to be like thirty degrees, and it it was freezing like the entire time we're there, except for the last day. But it was it was really fun. Uh, I made a lot of friendly donations to the to the slot machines in Las Vegas. So good of you. Yeah, the the casinos love me. I'm sure they'll have me back anytime. Uh, I did. I did win uh, some. I got some winners on college basketball. Some some wagers on some games of skill uh, at the at the sports book there. But, you did uh, yeah. well because the weekend you were in Vegas wasn't the weekend where like all the top eight teams in the college basketball all lost or so. Like it was like the big upset day of college basketball. And I remember you being. I remember thinking, oh no, Chase is in Vegas. Oh <laughs> for yeah. This weekend he's either doing really well or doing really badly. So I did. I did okay. Um, uh, on the on the other days, I think the Saturday is what you're referring to. I think yeah. that day I did terribly because I had a parlay that it was like fifteen dollars that would have won me a thousand. Everything hit except for Purdue minus five against Michigan State. Uh, that was the oh. game that they lost. So that one that one really stung. That that's <laughs> that that hurt uh, a lot. But I mean, I still I it's I I only spent twenty dollars, so it's always not. It wasn't something that was like a, a huge investment or anything. So. I, I uh, we had a lot of fun though. We ate at like a a bunch of good restaurants. Uh, we went to some cool like museums. Uh, there's like a downtown section of Las Vegas and a strip section of Las Vegas. Uh, I'd never been to the downtown part, which was built by like you know like the mob or whatever, like back in the 30s and 40s when the, they first built the city. So that was really cool. I, I had a lot of fun. So I'm excited well, for you to, for you to get to go there this summer. Yeah, I, absolutely. I'm gonna have to pick pick your brain for some tips here because um. I'm, it's looking very likely I'm going to Vegas in the summer to get married um, and then going to be doing a road trip um, from Vegas to Death Valley, Yosemite. I've said it right this time, um, so you don't Here make fun go. of me anymore. Right? <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, San Francisco, LA, Monterey Bay, and maybe San Diego as well, so... Uh, I've never been to any of those places. So really looking forward to hoping that trip comes together and everything is okay. But, uh, but yeah, I'm, I'm glad you got to go do a bit of a recce for me. Uh, I'm glad you got to tell me, you know, you can, you lost some money. So when I go, I should win. This is, this is what I'm hoping now. So, um, but no, glad to hear you had a good time in Vegas. Um, We've both been away while we've been away. The Hornets have not been away. They've been busy working and they signed Isaiah Thomas to attend a contract. Um, Chase, what do you think about Isaiah Thomas? So I, I was a huge, I was like a huge fan of the signing. I first, I was, t- I was really shocked. Like when it happened, like, I didn't think Me that, too. that I, I was like, I kind of thought that it would be like a ball handler. I, I guess I just didn't put it together that it could be him, but I mean, he had been balling out in the G league. Like he, he, he 
had like 40 points in the both of the games that he played with the Grand Rapids Gold. Um, and I mean, and he has he's already been on two 10 days this year. So I, I don't know why I didn't like put together the possibility. But I mean, it, 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 it took me by surprise, but I immediately liked it. I mean, I mean, he played well uh, in his first game against the Cavs, 10 points, five rebounds, three assists, a couple of steals like, you know, the he's not going to help with the defense, I guess. But how many how many how many point guards? Are you going to sign that are going to help with your defense anyway? How many how many centers are on the ten day market that you could sign that would help with your defense more than just playing JT Thor, Nick Richards, PJ Washington, Montres Harrell, Mason Plumlee? Like they, the Hornets have five front court players that they can play right now, so I think adding a guy in the front court on the ten day with the the hope that you're going to make your defense better is just yeah. kind of like a little bit far fetched. So you might as well settle for a guy that can reliably score points and like which was something that they had struggled with in like the present moment, like they had been a bad offense for those last like two weeks. And Isaiah Thomas is an offensive player. So I, I can't see how there's like a ton of negatives. It may not be a, as many positives, but he, he, it's definitely cool. I think. I, I want to go back to what you said, like where we, you were surprised and we didn't expect it. And we did a whole section on the, the podcast with James Herbert from CBS sports Um where we talked about potential replacements and we were talking about DJ Augustin, Corey Joseph, Thomas Satoransky, Kemba Walker, like all these buyout guys. And we never mentioned Isaiah Thomas. And I'm going to tell you why I think we didn't mention them. I think firstly, Isaiah Thomas is the kind of guy who doesn't normally sign in a place like Charlotte straight up. Like you think he's, you know, I I know he's not been in the league properly on like a full-time contract since I think for like two or three years when he was with Denver, but he's he's someone who you think like he was with the Lakers this year. He was with Dallas. Like those are contending playoff teams. You kind of think that he's buying his time to to catch on there. So I think that was that was one reason why we didn't bring him up. I think the other thing is he's been available for the last two and a bit, three years, and the Hornets have never signed him at any point. They could have signed him instead of Ish Smith in the offseason. They could have signed him instead of trading for Brad Wanamaker last trade deadline, and they didn't. So because he's been out there for so long, you just kind of assume that, well, the Hornets mustn't be interested in Ish Smith. Like, so I think those are some of the reasons why like, I was really caught off guard. You were caught off guard. Um, what I think was overlooked, especially by me, like I didn't make the connection of the like Gordon, Terry, Boston connection with Isaiah, um, which is some, which definitely an oversight on my part. But I, He played with, uh, with Mason as well about. in Denver. He was, he's, he's been a teammate of, I think four guys that are, that are on the Hornets. So, and I, and I, that in itself, I think is beneficial just because he's going to be like a good guy to have around in the locker room. He gets along with a good portion of the team already. And it's not like he has a reputation of somebody that's going to, that's going to come in and like set a bad example or, you know, not uh, be like, uh, like prickly towards his teammates or anything like that. So, I, I mean, I'm, I'm pretty excited to see like how this, tenure unfolds i mean it's we're on the first or the second day of the first 10 day i mean what do you think do you think there's a chance he sticks around for two i mean i can't see them yeah i i definitely think he's like they're gonna see if he give him the 20 days and then go from there i can't see it being only a 10 day trial uh well i i agree i think it'll be longer than 10 day i think a minute ago you had a slip of the tongue you just called it a 10 year contract which 
I, I, I don't think I don't know if we need him for 10 years. <laughs> I don't know if we need him for that long. I'd love, no. I mean, if, if it's, I, I, we can keep him around in some capacity and maybe he can be <laughs> like a, like he can do the pregame show with like Gerald Henderson in like eight years or so, eight years from now or something like that. We can just transition his role, but yeah, yeah. Ten, 10 days is preferable to 10 years. That's yeah. That's no, I, I think, I think it'll be very likely they'll sign him probably for another 10 day. I think unless something happens, like, I expect they'd probably sign him for the rest of the season. I mean, we were right when we spoke to James and we talked about how we expect him to sign another ball handler. And I know a lot of guys, people would be like, oh no, it's Buck Knight. That Buck Knight's the guy. I just, I know he was injured last night. So, but I, I don't think they, they want another primary, a guy who's used to playing on ball in the NBA. Because um, if one of Rozier or Lamelo goes down, or if one of them gets in foul trouble, as Lamelo did in the Cleveland Cavaliers game, then it's going to be a struggle. So, uh, no, but I, I like the signing. Like, it's one of those. You've got a spare roster spot. What other options are out there? No one who I'm really screaming about. I think some of the guys who I was more interested in have already signed in other places. Um, and if Isaiah's got that connection, there were a couple of times in that Cavs game, like he, he did play well offensively. Um, defensively, he got really taken advantage of twice. Yeah. Like he was, they were trying to panic, get him off certain matchups and, there's just going to be a challenge there, um, which will be larger than you'll get with other point guards. I mean, DJ Augustine just signed with Lakers. He's not big. He's not good. But like Isaiah Thomas is an, another level of just small and, and lack of size. Uh, and also it's quite a fi- high, quite high foul rate as well for a team that already fouls quite a lot. Um, but I've got absolutely no problem with the signing. I think it makes sense. I think they needed some older guys in the locker room. You lost Ish Smith in that Vernon Kerry uh, Montrose Harrell trade, you now essentially got, you know, Vernon Carey didn't say anything, Ish Smith was here, but you now got Harrell and Isaiah Thomas, who've played against every player in the NBA, like multiple times, and know how teams work, and know how the NBA works, and um, I think this team needs a little bit of that veteran presence. So when, uh, I just out of curiosity, uh, looked up Vernon Carey, uh, when you said his name, so he he's played one game and he played one minute with the Wizards. Uh, just to, why'd you just have to up, do that? Today? Just an update why'd as to, to see how this goes. I don't. I just was curious. I like. I just wanted to see if they if he had played yet. I don't know. I don't. I wonder what um what if he's like injured or something like that with that. Oh yeah, he's day to day with a hip injury. There we go. So I don't know. Maybe maybe he's just been injured. But I, I I just figured we'd give the listeners a little update on how things have been I'm sure have, they're have dying. I'm sure they're dying to know. Yeah. Ish had a nice, uh, had a highlight that got posted on the NBA account. So, you know, our, our former Hornets are doing well up, up in the capital city. So, all right. What, what do we got for the rest of our, for the rest of this first segment before we get to the interview with Embry? Well, I want to do a quick shout out for Scotty Lewis, um, mm-hmm. for the Greens of Swarm, just very quickly. He had a big night the other night and I know a lot of people didn't follow the Swarm and that's why I just want to briefly mention it, but, 28 points, career high, 13 of 14 shooting with only one three. He only took three threes. So I think he was getting out in transition a lot. I didn't get to watch this game, but managed to catch some of the highlights. He was getting out in transition, scoring at the rim, hit some pull-ups, was two of three from behind the arc, um, three rebounds, two assists, four steals. Like you're not ever like Scott Lewis is never going to be scoring the NBA, but for just to give him that like the confidence at times. He's got to have some level of offensive threat. And for him to get and attack the rim and to get out in transition, that's really good to see. Um, so I just think always worth touching in on those two-way guys, guys playing down in Greensboro. Kai Jones has been playing really well for a, a long project 
expected period of time now consistently. But Scott Lewis has struggled a little bit, even got benched at one point for the Angelo ball. So good to see him kind of come back and have a good night. And um, I, I know you can't say too much on the G League stuff, so I just wanted to say that for you. And I'm swiftly going to move us on in terms of we are four games after the All-Star break. We have beaten the Raptors in a game we played extremely well. We have lost to the Pistons in a game which we should have won so many wet times. We got smoked by the Bucks, and we beat the Cleveland Cavaliers pretty well. They were missing some players, but so were the Hornets with Lamella and Hayward. We beat them pretty well. Has anything changed since the All-Star break, since we last spoke to the listeners? Have you got feeling any differently about anything or where this team is at right now? I don't think so. I mean, I think I think we're kind of just at the point where like it's clear that when we like it's like last year when the Hornets got up to the fourth place in the Eastern Conference and then fell down like they got up. We got up to like fifth or sixth at times this year. It's clear we're like not getting back to that point, um, uh, barring a like completely spectacular run by the Hornets and also like a collapse from, you know, like Milwaukee, Cleveland, Boston, like one of those teams that's up there right now. I think the the play in range, which you know, like like we, it's where about where we expected. We've we've all kind of, you know, gone over that. Like if you said at the beginning of the season that the Hornets were in ninth place, like in March, like that seems probably pretty realistic. So, I think I think things are are probably gonna go about how they have been now. May I mean not in terms of like, you know, poor performances like as frequently, but I think we'll probably hover around this ninth place. Uh, I remember when, when we talked about or with James Herbert on the trade deadline episode, you got I think you guys both said you expected 10th um, for the as a play in seed. And I think I, I stayed at, at nine. So, I mean, would you would you jump off of that or you probably still think they're at 10th? I mean, falling out of the play in is like I mean, it's obviously possible because the Wizards are a game and a half back from the Hornets right now. But the Wizards are like not trying to win games. So I don't think that it's going to be something that the Hornets really have to worry about, but it's like mathematically possible. So what, what what do you think? Are you still on the kind of the same wavelength as you were before? I think so. Still on the same wavelength. I, I actually feel a little bit better than we did at the All-Star break. One, because we've got some healthy bodies back. We've got Cody Martin back, which uh, just a little preview. Embry, our guest in part two of this, um, had some, some good kind of little bit of info and some good insight on Cody Martin and his impact on this team. Jalen McDaniels was, was doubtful the other night, which I know isn't something to be happy about, but he wasn't just straight out. He was doubtful and then made out later. So it feels like he's getting back closer. Um, Harold's being part of this team. You've got Isaiah Thomas. I, I, I think we've actually played pretty well against two good teams, the Raptors and the and Cavs. Who, the last two times we played them this year, we've been smoked both times by both those teams. And the Hornets played well defensively in, in both those games, played well offensively. And that's without kind of like LaMelo even playing that well recently. Like this has kind of been a little bit of a, a slow decline, I would say, which it hasn't really picked up just yet after the All-Star break. You're expecting him to bounce back at some stage. I don't know, sophomore slump, season getting a little bit long. I don't know if that's having an effect. Obviously, you didn't get the same break as others at the, um, at the trade deadline. Um, but I've been pretty pleased with what we've seen so far. I mean, the Bucks are just an excellent team. They played really well at night. You know, any night Drew Holiday's taking like four or five threes, it's going to be a struggle. Um, the Detroit game, look, 
that was the that's the one that stuck out. But if you said at the All Star break after four games you'll be two and two with the schedule you had, I think most Hornets fans would have taken that. Where things were like the slide was real. They couldn't win a game, and to get two against three teams which are well over five hundred, um, I, I think they've settled down a little bit. Still in game, the swings are massive, but uh, from the gr- gr- big pitchers' point of view, um, I'm a little bit happier where they're at. They've got a pretty tough stretch upcoming here um, of, of opponents. I think they've got Boston coming up. They've got the Spurs. Um, they've got the Nets and they've got Durant back, which really sucks for timing for the Hornets. Um, but they've got some time for rest between these games. They should, be, they should have rest advantage over a lot of these teams coming in here. So I was just, uh, I was just looking up the offensive and defensive ratings for the last four games since the All-Star break ended in. Something we had noted on the podcast like a couple times, like as it had gradually slid down the rankings, was the team's offensive rating, like spending probably two thirds, 75 percent of the season that had transpired up until that point as like a top five, top three offense. And then just plummeting down to 13th during that losing streak that happened uh, pretty much in February. They The Hornets only won two games in the month of February, which I mean, that that or I think it was it was either two or three, which is, is such such a painful stretch for an entire month but in the last four games the offense ranks 10th in the nba and defensively they're seventh so i mean you know a four game sample size is obviously very small but if it if that kind of can indicate like somewhat of a evening out of like you know they can they can play better defense without playing significantly worse offense or like they can play really good offense without being like a bottom three defense in the nba like finding some sort of middle ground is is definitely going to help them come playoff time. Like it doesn't net, like I, I know you don't want your team to not necessarily have like some sort of like elite trait, but like sacrificing that third offense for like the 10th offense and then getting, you know, into the top twenties in defense, that's probably like, that's going to help them in the playoffs. Cause you'll be able to make way more, you know, adjustments to the type of pace that your player, the type of game that you're playing, the pace of play and stuff like that rather than in the earlier in the year where the Hornets just needed to run and shoot to be able to win. And, you know, they've still been doing that lately. They haven't, you know, changed up their scheme or their identity as a team. But I think in the, in the last few games, like the, I mean, they were, they shot well against the Cavs, but it's not, it's not a product of, you know, just chucking threes, like the entire game, like they're, they're searching four shots like within the offense like players like miles uh like at the, in that when the Cavs brought it within 13 he immediately went to the basket like i think in the beginning of the year he probably tries like some sort of jump shot in that situation but he barreled roll barreled his way to the basket and had like two really strong like tough finishes back to back and like i that kind of thing i feel like just is like the growth that they've had like over the last month because a, like a player like Lamelo has never played this many games in a season before. Anyway, like nope. he got, he never, got hurt in, enough, never in his career, never even close. Really, like he he, no. got, he played like ten games or like twelve games in Australia and what like fifty something last year. So like th- this is blowing out of the water. Like the most games that he's played in a year. So and and the, and then other guys like Miles My, is this is the first full season of him as the second option. So he's gonna ha- he has been working through that type of thing and. I mean, it seems like it's it's getting better. Like I, I, it's 
they, you know, they're two and two. So it's not like, you know, back to, you know, where it was earlier in the year where they were above 500. I feel like they're more of an at 500 team right now, but like, I'll take that in terms of what, if like what you're seeing on the court is like something that you can feel a little bit more confident in. Yeah. And you mentioned about the offense and defense kind of being 10th and seventh, both in top 10 since the break, which is good. And one of the big reasons for that is the Hornets are playing so much bigger. JT mm-hmm. Thor is in the rotation. Cody Martin is back in the rotation instead of Buck Knight. I know he's been injured, but he just adds a little bit more size and strength. You've got um, you've got Montres Harrell playing. You've got uh, PJ Washington playing more power forward. Um, they are playing much bigger. That is helping the defense, and the offense is not quite to the same levels, but. What have you noticed since the All-Star break? Kelly Oubre, good Kelly Oubre's back. Like, you know, he's been making shots. When Kelly Oubre is on, it just helps that second unit so much. Montrose Harold hasn't been, like, quite as explosive as he was in his first game, but he's still been consistent and bringing scoring off, off the bench. Um, so I, the Hornets are playing so much bigger. I, I'd really liked, actually, what I've seen from P.J. Washington, um, being more aggressive, driving the ball, um, being a bit more of a playmaker, not just being a const, just a, a one-dimensional catch and shoot above the break three-point shooter. Um, and there was a couple of games. I think it was uh, the Toronto game where they were kind of playing PJ, like trying to encourage him to drive, and he did it like three times in a row and he missed. But mm-hmm. I actually didn't mind it because well. he he was showing that like determination and not just settling, which I just think happened far too often. And I think he's beginning to find a bit of a, a mixed game again. Um, which which I really like to see. So I, I like these bigger lineups. Who would have thought in the summer that JT Thor of all the rookies is the one getting rotation minutes ahead of Buck Knight and Kai Jones? You know, it just shows that like for this team, it happened with Jalen McDaniels, it happened with Devontae Graham, it happened with Cody Martin. The second round picks sometimes play more than the first round picks. Like it's just something that Cupcheck Borrego, it does not matter where you are drafted. Like it, it is to do with the role that you're going to play. Um, and and he is built for what this team needs right now. Like, if you were the Cleveland Cavaliers, they'd probably much rather play James Booknight because they need dribbling, they need scoring. They don't need more size and length. they got Mobley, Jarrett Allen. But the Hornets need that in JT Thor. I mean, the block that he had the other night where he came from the weak side uh, was just like, and he almost looked like he got the ball when it was like high, high above the, the hoop, but it was still on its way up and it wasn't called as a goaltend. I mean... No other player on this team, I think, can actually make that play with the length, quick leaping ability. Like even Plumley, Richards, they're not making that kind of play, like blocking shots with length at the apex um, of the shot. So there's some really impressive stuff, I think, from, from JT Thor. And um, yeah, I love the impact that this, this new look rotation is having. I think it's the right way to be going here. We're not going to win every game, but I, I like the direction of travel. Yeah, JT has been great. Uh, that game against the Raptors is six points, four rebounds, two assists, a block and a steal on three for five. Like, that's exactly what you want off of that type of piece coming off of the bench that's, like, essentially the last member of your rotation. He's been great so far. It, it's been great to have Cody Martin back. Let's hope that we can get McDaniels here going soon because I th- I, the more, you know, balance that the team can have on the roster, the better that will be. Like, it really stunk, like, missing every wing that we had or the team had like over the last like month, like it's, it just makes it so much harder to play certain styles of basketball. Like you can't, you can't just go out and 
you know, play rely on LaMelo and Terry to kind of like gas your offense the whole time. And then LaMelo or miles to finish plays that, you know, LaMelo and Terry set him up for, for like basically a month consecutively guys. It's just not something that guys can do, but hopefully we're getting back to having like a full roster and then everybody can fit into their role. And we'll get back to seeing the the good basketball that we saw at times earlier in the year. Anything else, James, before we get into the, this interview with Embry? No, I don't think so. Um, just looking forward to seeing, I think last time Hornets played the Spurs, they beat them pretty well. Um, after the Spurs, they got the Nets, the Celtics, and then the Pelicans come into town. Devontae Graham's return game to Charlotte. So that's the next four for Charlotte. Um, I think in that stretch, again, if they can go two and two in that stretch, I think that would be pretty solid. Um, yeah, I, I think, like you say, probably going to be a 500-ish team down the stretch here unless we get on a bit of a roll or a slump. So, and I don't think that's the worst thing in the world. I'd much rather go into the playoffs playing 500 basketball than what we were doing in, in February and earlier in the month. You know, a little bit of stabilization would be nice for a change rather than the, the violent swings. So, no, other than that, let's go on to our interview with Embry NBA. This episode is supported by FX's Clipped, the scandalous story of the 2014 Clippers owner's racist remarks captured on tape and heard around the world. The series charts the tape's impact on a dysfunctional basketball organization striving to win against their reputation as the most cursed team in the league. Starring Lawrence Fishburne, Jackie Weaver, Cleopatra Coleman, and Ed O'Neill. FX's Clipped, streaming June 4th, only on Hulu. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Hello, everyone. Welcome to At The Hive Live, and we are joined by Embry. He is a Charlotte Hornets fan that goes by Embry NBA on Twitter and TikTok, both of which he's built a following on, but especially TikTok. First of all, Embry, thank you for coming on the show. We really appreciate your time. How are you doing today? I'm doing good, you know, typical college student life, surviving, I'd say, and being a Hornets fan. And yeah, for those who don't hard. know, we were just re- chatting before we came on our hair. This is Embry's first ever podcast he's done. So we are breaking, we're breaking new ground here for Embry. So, uh, but it's fine. We, you know, it's going to be good. You know, the reason we wanted to have you on today, Embry, was to talk about, well, one to talk about, you know, your kind of relationship with the Hornets. Like, I think that's just always interesting to hear, like new people and like the content creator business, how they started following the team. And then a little bit about your your kind of TikTok account. Um, something which I'm speaking for, I don't know if I'm speaking for Chase here. Chase, do you have TikTok? Yeah, so I don't like post on it, but I, I like go mm-hmm. and, you know, scroll through the app fairly, like often enough, I would say, like probably once a day or so. Okay, good. Well, I downloaded it just for this podcast about a week ago, um, so I've had a steep learning curve. Okay, there, we're uh, gonna ha- we're gonna have to get into your your experiences with this so far, then too. Yeah, I've got I've got thoughts, but be- yeah, before we get into that, I guess Embry, just tell us a little bit, kind of 
about yourself like i kind of you've kind of really kind of broken onto the nba twitter sphere i guess in like the last year or so i mean that's where me and chase hang out we've probably seen you might have been doing stuff longer so it'd be good to hear a little bit kind of what 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 you're doing in terms of content creation how did you become a hornets fan it'd be good just yeah to get a little bit of background about you because this is the first time we chatted before so you know me and chase want to learn too so i'd say so i moved to charlotte when i was about five i was i was i'm from from charlotte and when i got i started getting into basketball around like 2012 so i'd say that it was kind of hard to be interested in the bobcats at the time so i definitely say I got into basketball by playing it and I really liked LeBron. So that was my favorite player. So he's who got me into basketball. And then just, it kind of just naturally, I, I enjoyed going to, I liked going to the Bobcats games, even though they were bad. So it's kind of just like, I wanted to be a fan of the team that I could go and see because I lived like 20 minutes away from the arena. So I could go to a game whenever, even though they were bad. And then once they, um, you know, once Kemba started being, started like, breaking out and being an all-star that's when I kind of got a little more into it and also when uh, they changed to the Hornets I was known in high school as like the guy that always had the Hornets clothes on because I just loved the colors like the hoodie the purple and teal is just so beautiful to me so I always had that and I would just say overall like my yeah just being a Hornets fan it's it's all about like proximity for me like I don't, I don't see the point of being a fan of like some like them like the heat or something because I can't just go see them I can just go see the Hornets and to be right there with them even though it's a struggle sometimes to root for the hornets but yeah i don't know if that makes me a fraud then considering i'm in oh, England. <laughs> oh no 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 i mean no i'm only i'm only no, yeah. no i get i get what you mean like i'm a massive hypocrite because i support and follow manchester united in football or soccer yet like uh because i i live like three miles from the stadium we've grown up nearby but then at times like i've got friends who like them and like grew up on the other side of the country and i'm like you can't be a united fan and then i sit down and i'm like well i support the hornets and i'm in england so mm-hmm. that doesn't that doesn't make any sense but I, i'm wondering Embry, if, if the hornets had never become the hornets if they had remained the bobcats and <laughs> had the same colors and everything do you think that would have like do you think you would have the kind of relationship and be as big a fan and in, into the team as much like do you think that was a really big thing for you um, I'd say, I say, I say that like I'm changing to the Hornets just because I was younger and I liked that. That was just something that was interesting to me. I'd say as I got older, I definitely would have been as invested in them just like as a team as I got more into basketball. Because as I got older, I started playing like also playing 2K, NBA 2K. That got me really interested into basketball. So I'd say like early on, my fandom came from just like the colors and I liked the the team, but. Yeah, I definitely, I don't think it would have mattered that much in the long run. Like, I still would have been interested in the NBA in general and then being close to the Hornet, or if they were the podcast still, I still would have been really invested in them, even if they didn't change. So how long were you a Bobcats slash Hornets fan before you decided that you were going to, like, get into content creation around the team? Was that, you know, something that you had kind of always wanted to do when you were younger and then kind of waited until you had mm-hmm. more like accessibility to it? Or was it just kind of like a spontaneous? I said, I say like my journey to content creation, I, I was made, I made content before like, I got started doing this TikTok and Hornet stuff. Like I, like I said, I was into 2K. So I made 2K videos 
when I was younger in like middle school and I was like 12 and I, I don't really want to, I don't want anyone to ever see those, honestly. We need to, <laughs> well, hold on, no, no, no. no. Yeah, yeah, yeah. People no. find these, send them to us. <laughs> no. We want to so, relive no. these. Did, no, were you like bad. a, like a 2K YouTuber, like a set, or were you posting like clips on like Twitter and stuff? In a sense, I, YouTube definitely, because okay. the, my thing was when I was younger, I didn't want to like show my face or my voice because it was really squeaky. So I just made videos where I didn't have to talk at all. I could just put background music and they did, they did decently well. Like I made money from it. And so, and my mom was like, how are you making money from posting yeah. 2k videos on YouTube? And I was like, I don't know. But then eventually I kind of like, as I got older, I kind of realized like, okay, I'm a little more comfortable in front of the camera. I'm more comfortable with my voice. And then TikTok came out where I was like, this is like, they were saying this is the easiest platform to grow on right now. So like, I figured if I start now, after I grad, I started after I graduated that, that summer coming into this freshman year. So I figured, you know, this is the perfect time. I have nothing better to do this summer. So that's what I, that's kind of when I was like, okay, why not? Like, what's the worst that could happen if I just started getting into content creation on TikTok? So how, how many months ago was that then? This sounds really recent. Yeah. My first, my first video I posted was like, I was, I was procrastinating. And then the draft, my first video was on draft day. I posted a mock draft. And it did somewhat well. And I was like, okay, like this isn't that hard. So then I just started posting every, I posted every single day since the draft. So that was July 29th. So it's been about seven months now that I've been doing TikTok. And how many, this is where I'm going to share my lack of knowledge here. How many followers? Is that the correct followers? terminology I'm using yeah. here? I can I'll give you an update. It's about, let me see. I'm I'm about to hit thirty four thousand on TikTok. Wow! Yeah, I was gonna Which say it was thirty k when I checked a couple of days ago. So you've you've gone up like, <laughs> yeah, like quite a yeah, bit in the last few days, even. Wow! It's so just, seven months, you have thirty four thousand followers on TikTok, which is crazy because I've been writing about the Hornets for ten years and I have about fourteen hundred <laughs> followers on Twitter. <laughs> yep. Which now yeah, makes me question: hard. What am I been doing in my life? Um, <laughs> mm-hmm. What what about TikTok makes it easier to like grow your account? Is it just because it's like a newer app? Do you think? I say it's newer, and also the thing about TikTok is like they do a lot of the promotion for you. Like it doesn't matter like how big you are. Like if you post a video and it's doing well, they're going to keep showing it to people because the main thing about TikTok is they want like to keep people on the app. So they have like measures like watch time, like what percentage of people watch the whole video. And if that's a high percentage, they figure, okay, let's keep showing that to more people. So like my first video I had, it was the first month I started TikTok, I had about like 200 followers and I posted a video about John Morant and it got a million views and that like, cause then I had, I was, it was insane to me. I was like, there's no way. And I shot up to about a thousand followers the next day, just off of one video. And I was just like, okay, like, I, I got, I have something here that I can work with. So how do you like your, your channel from what I've looked at, it, it balances both like Hornets and general NBA. Was, was that always mm-hmm. the case? Was it always like you want to do something mm-hmm. for both or did that just like happen naturally or organically? I'd say I started off like I, I started off like, yeah, I just want to do like general NBA content because I follow a lot of other content creators like King of the Fourth Quarter and then where they just like they would like Kenny's clearly a Bulls fan but he does all types of NBA stuff because it doesn't like limit your market or limit what you can do. So I figured if I can like sprinkle in, like I make it clear I'm a Hornets fan and I sprinkle in like Hornets jokes here and there. Like when I, when a center has a big performance, I'll say, oh, it looks like he played the Hornets or something. 
if they have like when Carl Anthony Towns puts up 40, I'm like, oh, even if he didn't play the Hornets, it looks like he played the Hornets because that's what he does every time he plays us. But I say, yeah, I definitely had a goal of like getting a whole, like just covering all types of NBA because it just doesn't limit the type of content I can make. And it helps me because I try to post multiple times a day. So when I can just cover whatever teams, I, like I posted a um, Isaiah Roby video today and I, have an, and I have an Isaiah Thomas video ready for later today. So it's kind of just whatever I feel like making that day. What's a, give us a sneak peek on the Isaiah Thomas video. It'll be out by the time this this podcast posts, so mm-hmm. you'll, you'll have to it's get really, it. The nice thing is it's only like 11 seconds long because on TikTok, like, they, they prioritize short videos. So that's also another thing that attracted me to it is that it doesn't take a lot of effort as opposed to making like an 11-minute YouTube video. I can make this, like the video, I think the Isaiah Thomas video I made this morning in between classes, it took me about five minutes, which was which is fantastic and I definitely um in the video I said like I I'm, I'd be happy to sign him for the rest of the season I also like said I wasn't expecting him to play but since LaMelo had four fouls in eight minutes you know he kind of had to play yeah. so it's just like it's really it's really like they're really short videos because on TikTok they people have a short attention span because you can just scroll to the next video so you kind of have to get what you want to say in the video like really fast so people don't scroll off of it and then your watch time goes down. So it's kind of like, I, I enjoy it because it doesn't take me long to make the videos at all. And people seem to enjoy them. Yeah. And I noticed like you, you, you're kind of, you're quite self-degrading with like the Hornets. Like you said, like making jokes <laughs> about Mason Plumley and, and whatever mm-hmm. else. And I know you don't mind, you know, poking the, the bear, which are the Lamello fans as well. Yeah. Like um, yes. kind of t- tell us a little bit, kind of like the, that's like, cause I, I, I always think that's a really like as someone who supported the Bobcats, the only way to get through the season was to laugh at the team, to like laugh at yourselves, mm. to make fun of yourselves. Cause otherwise, like if you're taking yourself seriously, you just be in a state of depression the entire time. So kind of, I, I really like that kind of like tone and style, which were in your videos. Yeah. I appreciate it. I always, I've been one to like do with like, not, not, not like that stuff. I, I like to put humor in the stuff to just make it, better like being a Hornets fan like it it's a struggle but like if I if I don't take it too seriously like I'm trying to like protect my mental health like when we lose to the Pistons off of a Kelly Olenek game winner like I posted that I was just laughing about it because it's like it's not that serious there's no point in getting mad and I go on Twitter and like there's the people that take it too seriously and I can just you know kind of mess with them like the people like the, the Lamello stands I love I absolutely love messing with them because they take every tweet so literally like I tweeted out during that game, I said the, the Hornets should have drafted Killian Hayes over Lamelo after he had a nice play, and they 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 <laughs> tore me apart. They tore like that that tweet. They tore me apart, and I was just laughing so hard. It's just it's honestly with a lot of it's about getting like when you tweet stuff like that and people interact with you, it just it kind of gets you more exposure. So I kind of figured out like like I have another account where I post stats, and I posted. Lamelo stat line from last game where he had two points and that that tweet blew up and it just gives me more exposure it's kind of just it, it's kind of easy i'm not even gonna lie yeah the it's so the Lamelo stands are are they as active on tiktok or is that mostly like on twitter or like instagram or something no that's that they're definitely they're not i don't really deal with them on tiktok thankfully okay. uh, it's a little place i can uh 
avoid them. It's, I don't it's like, like your safe space. Yeah. <laughs> maybe I should, maybe yeah, I should go there. Yeah. That sounds good. Yeah. <laughs> you should. Yeah. But honestly, my TikTok is filled with like plumly stands now. <laughs> yeah, that's can, awesome. I'm, I'm known as like the anything that's Mason Plumley related on TikTok. I get tagged in it every single time. You know, it, it's interesting. I don't know what I'm gonna do like when we don't have Plumley anymore, but I'll figure that out later. <laughs> I was we'll sign one of the other brothers. It's fine. Um, <laughs> you must you must have been a fan of the out of timeout play to him where he, he dunked it the other night against the Cavs with three seconds mm-hmm. left. That must have been some oh. good content for you if you're a Plumley fan. Oh. Oh yeah, great content. Got tagged in that video countless times. <laughs> so I, what I want to do also while you're on is I'm, I, I ran a poll, I think back when I first messaged you to come on saying like what percentage of my followers have TikTok and 75% don't. So we've talked a little bit about it already and people, some people might have seen it and got a feeling, but if, if, if you're speaking to the 75% of the people listening to this podcast right now who don't know what TikTok is or they only know a little bit, like, can you just explain to them how it works? Like, I, like, and I don't know myself. Like, can you people engage with you? Like, can they DM you? Like, how, how oh, yeah. kind of you you creating a number of followers? You know, are you how do you kind of make income from that? Do you make income from that? I, I don't know. Like, so it'd be oh. really good if you can give like an idiot's guide uh, for <laughs> mainly me, but also some other people too. Well, the nice, okay, so the nice thing about TikTok is it kind of, once you start, like you can search, you can follow like basketball and it kind of like gets a sense of what type of content you like. So like my, there's like the for you page and then there's the following page. So the for you, my, like my for you page, I follow a bunch of other NBA content creators that I've met along the way. So my for you page as I'm scrolling, it's always just plenty of basketball stuff. And it's all t- stuff that like is meant for short attention span. So you kind of just, it is, it's really addicting actually. You just keep deep scrolling and scrolling and income related. Yeah. Once you hit on 10,000 followers, you get paid. So yeah, I've been, I've been making money from it and also running like the ads here and there. Like I've, I've had a couple companies reach out, which is crazy. Like I never thought that would happen. So and that's for like anyone who has an account. Once you reach mm-hmm. 10,000 followers, you will get an income from your videos. Yeah. Like, yeah. You get paid. It kind of, it depends. There's like, a certain amount of money per thousand views. So it, it adds up definitely. And like the, the nice thing about TikTok is like they'll push a video like from months ago and you can, and then you'll get paid from it. So it's kind of just like passive income at that point. Where like a video from, I have a video from January, get like a hundred thousand views in a day because it kind of like, like I remember when Cam Reddish got traded, I had made a video like talking about like, I think Cam Reddish, like what would happen if you went to a new team and the day he got traded, they started showing that video because it was relevant and then I got paid for it. So it's really, it's really interesting. And that's also a thing is it's a lot more personal, like as opposed to Twitter, like you kind of just see their ad in there. They might have like a, like Hornets or like Lamello profile picture, but on TikTok, like people usually, at least a lot of people show their face and like talk and it just, it feels a lot more like connected to them. And then in the comments, if they want to engage with you, you can also send them DMs if they have them um, open to their followers and stuff. And you can ask, they have like a, a section where you can ask them questions and they can make videos responding to the questions. So I feel like it's a lot more personal. It's, it's definitely the, the most personal like social media platform where you can like engage with the creator as opposed to like YouTube and Twitter and stuff. It sounds um, like do, the algorithm. Do... Oh, go ahead, Jim. Sorry. 
No, I was, I was going to just ask, do many of the Hornets players have TikTok? Like, is that something, like, uh, do you know of any? I know the only one I know of, I know PJ, PJ Washington, he has TikTok. He hasn't posted in a while. I was trying to get him to follow me back, but I don't think he uses the app anymore. I did get the, uh, the Hornets themselves to follow me back. So that, that, that was pretty successful. So I, don't, I don't know con- of anyone else. What sort of content do the Hornets put out on TikTok then, like themselves? Like what, what sort of stuff will they be pushing using TikTok and how will that differ to some of their other social medias? I'd say they show a lot more like behind the scenes stuff on TikTok. Like if they're doing like a Q&A, like I remember they like did like a video with Kelly Oubre talking about his like tattoos that like they kind of show that on TikTok and you don't really see that on Twitter really. So it's a lot more like I'd say like the – social media team like stuff that they wouldn't post on twitter they'll usually post on tiktok so it's kind of just little at little bonus content honestly and then they show highlights obviously that lamello doll thing that they did was on tiktok uh, right yeah did you did you see that yeah. james well if they reposted okay so it was Over like my little, head nope didn't yeah, see it was this like it was like a little doll that they just put like a lamello jersey on and they called it lamello mm-hmm. doll and they the social media team must have brought it with them to cleveland and like Lamelo was like carrying it around with him at one point, and they just like kept mm-hmm. posting like tic- videos on TikTok of that. I I, they, I thought I'm, they maybe they didn't post it on Twitter then if you didn't see it, but I, I remember seeing that uh, during like All Star Weekend. It was pretty funny. They they're pretty like the so Hornets social teams are like pretty creative with the the stuff mm-hmm. that they do. So who are some of the big NBA TikTok accounts? Like if if someone's listened to this and they go right, I'm gonna download TikTok. Obviously, they're going to follow you because they're sent to the pod. But who are some of the people you like to, to follow and kind of who are they? What 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 is about their content that you like and, and that makes them really successful? And who are some of like the biggest names? Uh, I'd say the first one that inspired me, he's also a Hornets fan. I think he was mentioned in one of your Twitter threads. His name's Sp- Matthew Spawnauer. He's kind of who influ- he kind of got me into it because he does the similar thing where you kind of like, you show like tweets in the background you kind of talk about it for a little bit and it um that inspired me to start some other people that i've met let me see there's the nba facts he does um he does similar content to me he has fifty three thousand followers so I, i'd recommend him my friend saney he has about 40k there's a lot of people it, it's still relatively new i'd say there's a lot of people that just started and there's a lot of people that you'll see on like Twitter. Like if you all know Hannah Hoops, like she's also on TikTok. And I'd say, I mean, honestly, if you just like search up NBA, kind of like on TikTok and you just like scroll through, there's so many people. And then once you're for, once you're for you page, once, once TikTok realizes that you like NBA content, they'll just show you like literally everybody. And then you can obviously follow who you like. Cool. Seems like the That's TikTok it. algorithm yeah. is much smarter than like the Twitter mm-hmm. algorithm in terms of like giving you things you like and promoting mm-hmm. engagement and stuff like that. So I, that seems like it would be a lot more helpful for creators and people that just like want to use the app. For sure. Yeah, it, it's really nice. It's also helpful. Yeah, definitely helpful for creators that it shows the people like your videos if, you, if they think they want to see it. It just helps. So in seven months, you've gone from not having a channel to having 34,000 followers. Uh, as Chase said, you've you just got 4,000 followers in like a couple of days since he last checked. Um, 
what is like next for you? Do you have a goal? Do you have a target that you're trying to reach? Um, are you wanting to try to do anything new? Are you kind of brainstormed about anything branching out from TikTok into any other like mediums? Kind of what, what can people look out for from you outside of your, your kind of current TikTok channel? Oh, def- I definitely plan to branch out. I think my goal is to have 100K, 100,000 followers on TikTok by the end of the year. That's my goal for there. And I've for, for now, I've been working on like, getting my Twitter, getting more engagement on Twitter. Like I've gotten a couple hundred followers in the past week on Twitter just by tweeting out random stuff about the Hornets and that have been doing well. And then my plan for the summer, like after I get the school year wrapped up, I want to start a YouTube channel because that's kind of like, that's also where like TikTok doesn't pay you a lot. Like a lot of the money that content creators get, they you make a lot more from YouTube. So I figured in the summer when I have more time not doing schoolwork, I can invest in, in that so that's kind of my goal is to learn how to make quality youtube videos and then just build my brand build an nba brand outside of just tiktok because as you said like most of your followers don't have tiktok so it'd be better to have tiktok followers you know you could branch out to instagram and youtube but youtube's where it's going to be my focus over the summer so i can try to build something there and like build a brand for myself yeah, I know there's um oh god, I've been on this podcast. Sam, there's a big YouTuber called Sam, um Hornets YouTuber who does the Sam Dra- Dracula. Sam Dracula, yeah. Yeah. Um who is he's also got Raymond Felton co-hosting his podcast now, by the way, which mm. I saw the other day, which I was like, oh, that's cool. Um, so shout out Sam. Um, and like uh, he's the only Hornets YouTuber who I know of uh currently. Mm. So yeah, I think there's definitely like and your timing for this is perfect because obviously like they've got Lamelo, who is instantly someone mm-hmm. just who gets eyeballs and the Hornets are pretty fun and exciting. Like from a clip, clip video perspective, you've got Ubre, you've got Bridges, like you've got a lot of guys who can do fun stuff. Plumlee is also fun in other ways, <laughs> but yeah, just don't sound as good dunks, but also like, I'm guessing like airballing free throws is probably also great content as well. So, you know, there's, there's always content good or bad. All right. We want to talk some basketball here before we get out. I know uh, we've got, what, 18 games left. We're recording on Thursday, March 3rd, the day after the Hornets beat the Cavs by, what was it, 22, I think? So, Embry, what are, what are your thoughts on, like, how this season's going? Do you think this is going to – what do you think was more emblematic of the rest of the year, getting blown out by the Bucks or beating the Cavs? If I'm being completely honest, I think getting blown out by the Bucks kind of like resembles what my expectations for the rest of the year. Like, I'm just trying not to be disappointed. Like at the beginning of the season, we were like the seventh seed. I was like, okay, this seems sustainable. And then Hayward went out and then had all the health and safety protocol stuff. And then everyone just, I don't know. It's just hard. Like I, until we get like getting Montrez Harrell, that helps the offense, but it's just like, I can't have faith in our defense at all. It's just so bad. Like if we don't score a hundred 20 130 like I don't think we're gonna win the game and then we have you know LaMelo getting in foul trouble and people are getting mad when he's sitting on the bench and it's just it's just trying to find like consistency and if I had to make a prediction I'd say we probably like we're, we're bound to be in the play-in tournament probably I don't really expect to make the playoffs I would like to but like if I'm being I don't like to be disappointed, so I try to keep my expectations low, especially with the Hornets, because I, I, we've been through this so many times where we're in the playoff picture, and then come March, April, it just kind of goes downhill. So I'm trying to keep my expectations low, but 
I, I, I think next year is going to be better after we have a, a full, another offseason to kind of address the center position because as much as I love to make plumly jokes, it's, it's not working. <laughs> It was, it was interesting. I was on a the Slump Busters podcast the other day. So shout out those guys. Go check it out. It's on my Twitter feed. Um, and they were like, yeah, we can really see the Hornets being like Memphis Grizzlies like this year, next year. And I was just like, wait, that would mean we'd be like a top four seed in a 50-win team. I'm like, I just struggle to like imagine that happening to the Charlotte yeah. Hornets. <laughs> just yeah. because when you've like conditioned yourself for so long, the disappointment, like, you, <laughs> like hope inside you is kind of, it's there, but you don't you don't let it grow because mm. then the pain becomes more increased when things inevitably fall off the bandwagon. So, um, but like I, I think there's still a fourth youngest team in the NBA this year, which mm-hmm. is what I think everyone keeps forgetting that um, the other yeah. three youngest teams are like OKC, Detroit, and Houston, <laughs> which are all terrible. Yeah. Um, yeah, the Hornets are competitive. And like, what do you hear about young players all the time is inconsistency. And like after the All-Star break has been so obvious, we played great against the Raptors and the Cavs, two probably the best games of the year. And we played terribly against Detroit and against the Bucks. And, you know, we got out-rebounded by a million in one game. And then we hold Cleveland, the best rebound, offensive rebound team in the NBA, to two rebounds for like the entire game. And the inconsistency has to be maddening for the coaches, but it's, it is just such like volatile swings from like great to terrible. There is just very rarely a stretch of mediocre basketball. I remember yeah, last just trying year, to be real. Yeah, I remember last year at one point they were like alternating wins and losses for a long time. It, it, I don't think they've done that like at all this year. Like it's basically just like five game win streak, three game losing streak, you know, four game winning streak, five game losing streak, like back and forth. But Hopefully, I mean, hopefully they can iron some of those things out yeah. here in the next couple of weeks because we're, we're getting into the home stretch with about like a month and a week or two left in the year. Yeah, high hopes just, you know, deep down inside I have high hopes and I'm trying not to get disappointed, but, you know. So be- before we get out of here, Embry, have you got any kind of like really strong takes that you've got, like any guy on the team who you really like, anyone you think should be getting more playing time, um, you know, have you got any kind of strong feelings that you you, you, have, you want to communicate out there? Um, I feel like someone that I really like, I, I know, like, I tweet about him a lot in, like, a joking manner, but I really like Cody Martin. Like, I feel like him coming back has helped us out a lot. Like, just, yeah. just his energy and, like, the fact that he doesn't – he kind of just, like, fills in wherever. Like, you can put him in any lineup. He gives us 110% on defense. He His three-point shooting – in the corner has been relatively nice and he's kind of he's it's been really nice to have him back and I feel like Gordon Hayward my opinion on Gordon Hayward like we we really need him like I feel like people kind of I like don't don't value him as much as they should but like they know they want to tra- like people want to trade him for Miles Turner like that would be nice but like I, I don't know I feel like it, it's just it's hard to tell because we have he's making so much money and I feel like that makes people disrespect him a little bit because it's been very clear while he's been hurt that like our offense is so much better when he's on the floor it just it flows so much better so I'm, I'm kind of waiting for him to come back whenever that's going to be just like really judge throughout our rest of the season I think the thing with Hayward is like Hornets fans in the last few years have been so used to the player that makes the most money on the team or a lot of money at least being like bad 
but like and and he hasn't he hasn't been bad but he's been unavailable which can be like misconstrued as bad but i mean you know you can't necessarily avoid stepping on miles turner's foot and then having gary trent like land on top of you after a layup so it's just and i compl- i completely agree like he's probably like probably their most valuable offensive player that that we've seen this season because i mean lamello obviously is like the engine to the team but hayward the hayward's like the only guy that can put the ball in the basket in a like an isolation situation and spread mm-hmm. at all three levels on, on the team really at, at an efficient manner so yeah i can i completely agree if he comes back this year It'll be interesting. Um, the, it's just been radio silent, and this is exactly how it played out last yeah. year, where there was just very little update given. You feel like the team are not trying to get anyone's hopes up. Um, you know, whenever you hear Borrego, it's he's going to be out a while, and it has that kind of tone where it goes down at the end, and you're like, oh god. <laughs> um, yeah. So yeah, yeah, I, I think he'll be. Like if he gets back for playing playoffs, that would be a good result. But then I think the other thing we've seen is when Hayward does come back, he really is normally quite a slow starter. He's quite tentative. Mm-hmm. Like he's not someone who just comes back and is like, oh, yeah, he's back. He's he's playing well. Um, so hopefully he can get back before the end of the regular season and try and get some run. But um I'd be I I'd say it's probably less than 50-50 right now, just from kind of what I what I've heard. I have heard that he was shooting today at practice so that is a step um at least who don't know if he was running or walking around but he was on the practice court shooting not practicing just shooting so it's a start it's a start yeah definitely yeah it's any any good news is great to hear. <laughs> exactly Embry, thank you so much for joining us today. This was this was really fun. I, I don't know what you thought for your first podcast experience, but I think oh, was... I think James and I both enjoyed it. Thank you. Yeah, I had a blast. I really appreciate you all having me on here. It caught me off guard because I'm still so new to all of this. So I really you got thirty thousand followers, man, and it, and apparently it's going <laughs> up very quickly. So you better get used to people asking you to, to do stuff like this. You're, you're gonna be you're gonna be getting out there a lot more than than you used to. Yeah, yeah, man. Appreciate it. Yeah, thanks a lot for coming on. Really, really good to speak to you. And uh, if there's any way me or Chase can ever help you out with anything you do, you just give us a shout. We're always happy to help. That sounds good. Sounds like a play. All right. Thanks, man. See ya.